Before we get into this podcast episode, I want to thank everyone who's checked in on me uh, during these times of COVID-19, and I want to just encourage you to take care of yourselves as best you can. I am doing what I can to remain consistent with something positive for positive people. Good news is that a lot of people are at a place where they're able to sit down. I was able to lock in some interviews that I hadn't been able to get done before, Um unfortunate circumstances of course but we're doing what we can and making do with uh the resources that we have available to us in order to continue to progress forward um i want to offer my condolences to anyone who's lost someone uh not just to covid-19 but during this time especially because we can't travel to loved ones that we were unable to just send off or attend any sort of arrangements. So um, I want to just make sure to hold space for those people. Um, I know some people who have uh, had COVID-19 or uh, had the had been diagnosed with coronavirus. Um, some pulled through, some friends of, uh, some relatives of friends that have not pulled through. And, um, we, we see a lot of memes, we see a lot of jokes, we see a lot of uh, just very insensitive things about the quarantine and COVID-19, and I understand that these are very triggering uh, things, especially for those people. So um, take care of yourself, limit your social media consumption, limit the information that you take in about uh, the pandemic, and just make time and space for yourself to do whatever it is that you need to do in order to take care of yourself. And I apologize for not having um, a very broad perspective on what taking care of yourself looks like. From what I see, it could just look like making sure you shower every day, uh, cooking yourself a meal, getting out and getting a little bit of sunshine if you are in a place that has sunshine right now. Um, for me, what it looks like is consistency. I wake up every morning around 6 a.m. I'll get up, do some meditation or yoga. I will eat breakfast, edit a podcast. I'll go to the gym and work out while, um, after my food settles. And then I'll train a few clients virtually uh, if they subscribe to that. Uh, and then it's just reading, podcast editing. And after that, I'm playing video games until it's time for me to get up uh for the next day, I've been able to get a few podcast recordings in with people. I've been editing like crazy. I've got probably the next three months worth of content already laid out. So um, once this is all done, I plan to, um, I don't know, I don't really know. I'm, I'm really more so focused on the present moment, especially given that the future is so uncertain right now. So uh, this is how I take care of myself, just having this routine, this staple of stability in my life. And so this gives me the freedom to be able to just survive. And that's really all we can do. I know people are taking classes and thriving and using this as time to um, to relax and rest. But not everyone can do that. And so for the people who can't and for the people who are grieving right now this is just like we're we're in the midst of a traumatic event a traumatic experience for a lot of people and um i just want to make sure to acknowledge that and hold space for you all uh i pray and hope and i don't pray oh, <laughs> i meditate i think i send out um the best of energies to 
anyone who needs it right now. And um, I think we all do, no matter what our situations are. I mean, if you're a celebrity living in your 10-bedroom home with pool in the back and you're quarantined there, or if you're someone who's stuck in an apartment by yourself, or if you're in an apartment or place with an abusive partner or abusive family members, you know, like I, I see the weirdness together, but it, it looks different for all of us. So as best we can, we have to take care of ourselves. And Hopefully my offering to remain consistent in this space and continue to provide the content that you come here for is going to be something that just helps get you through. So thank you to the guests who've been willing to speak with me during this time. I know that it's really weighing on a lot of us. Most of these episodes were done before the quote-unquote lockdown um, was officially in place. So I think that... um, this will be a good little vacation from reality whenever you're able to listen to these podcasts. So I'm not going to talk about COVID-19 or any like personal views on it or anything because it's not what you come here for. And when the information that there are plenty of places to get the information. Um, so just continue to just take care of yourselves and do what you need to. Um, going into this podcast episode, we have you, me and HSV. Jade behind the Instagram page who shares her story um, with having been in an abusive relationship where her partner tried to use her status and hang it over her head as a manipulation tool. Uh, Come to find out he had stalker tendencies and she was able to get out of that relationship beforehand. We talk about what drove her passion for starting the Instagram page where she just shares uh, resources and uplifting information in regards to herpes and the stigma and anyone who's navigating their diagnosis so i hope you enjoy this podcast episode and i can't say it enough remember to continue to take care of yourself the most effective thing for me in all of this has been just prioritizing presence having a routine and no matter what getting those things that i say i'm going to get done done so that there's also a little sense of accomplishment with it there are days and times where people may not even want to get up out of the bed but um, just having that having that routine is very helpful. So enjoy this episode with Jade behind the Instagram page, you, me, and HSV. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that serves stigmatized communities and helping people who are part of them navigate their healing process through the experiences of other people who are navigating stigma. Today's podcast episode, I have Jade with me, and I'm going to just let Jade share... What are your pronouns? He, uh, I said he, she, her. Oh, I was like, oh, I'm glad I didn't just start calling you she. All right. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to let Jade share her experience with HSV. So you can just start us from around the time of your diagnosis. How'd you find out you had herpes? What was going on around that time in your life? And anything yeah. else that you feel is relevant? And I'll just ask questions throughout. It'll be very conversational. Well, I haven't actually been that long diagnosed. About six months. So I don't think it's been that long, to be honest. It was in November 2019. I think that was six months, maybe five months. And I recently just got out of a very long-term relationship. It's just seeing what was out there, doing my thing. Then, lo and behold, stuff starts popping up. And I panicked. I was in denial. I was like, no, nothing's happening. 
it's all good, it's all good. Um, so it took me about a week before I was like, I need to go get this checked out. I'd been seeing a, a man for about a week at this point, so it literally was the whole time. Went and got tested, and as soon as I walked in, she was like, yeah, that's herpes, that's, that's what we've got. And I remember sitting sitting in the actual the room, and I just couldn't stop crying. <laughs> the poor woman, like, she's obviously seen this constantly. She sees it all the time. So I kept being very mindful of that, but she was so lovely and really lucky actually that the nurse I had was so considerate of my feelings she didn't rush me out she let me sit there for about half an hour while I literally just cried and cried and cried yeah and then that was that sort of thing and I left and sat in my car and continued crying (laughs) and I'm not very good at keeping secrets so it took me about two days before I told literally everybody in my life and the guy I was seeing they saw I, I saw him straight away and I told him and that started a whole new interesting issue and a lot of emotional abuse on his part for a month that was quite horrific and still dealing with today. But yeah, so that's the general gist of my story. Okay, how and old are you? I'm 22. When you said that you let it go for a week, was this you started to see symptoms and then you allowed the symptoms to progress over the week. Like, yeah. what were you experiencing over the course of that week? You said something just popped up, but what were some of the sensations or feelings, or what did it look like for you? It was three days after I slept with the guy. I was in the changing room trying on something in Primark, um, and I was just like, "Oh, I don't feel good." I started getting really strong headaches. My vulva was hurting. I was just like, I wasn't ready. I, I was really, I was just confused, to be honest. And I remember two days then after that went by, I need to see what's going on. Like maybe I've got like a UTI or a yeast infection or something like that. So I had a look and um, I saw some lumps. And I remember I sent pictures to my friend and I was like, does this look like an ingrown hair? And I was trying to convince myself that it was an ingrown hair, it was an ingrown hair, it was an ingrown hair. And it didn't go. And I remember it was a Sunday and I got tested on the Monday and I was in the cinema with my mum. And I remember sitting in the cinema, I was in agony. Like, I could hardly, like, sit there. And I was like, oh, this isn't right. I need to go and get this tested. And I remember I went, I went when I got home then, I had another look, and I'd seen that the lumps that I had 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 turned into ulcers. As soon as I looked at that, I was like, I know that's not in for now. Like, I was like, that is, I know what that is. I have friends who have herpes, so I know the experience they've been through, and I know the symptoms they've told me about. And I saw it, and I was like, I'd been panicked all week, and then all of a sudden, this sort of, like, palm washed over me, and I was like, that's that. There's no, like, to or fro on it now. I was like, I've seen I've seen the ulcers. I know what it is. <laughs> all right. And uh, you mentioned how compassionate the nurse was. Was yeah. it her presence? Was it her silence? What was it that made her such a great nurse to you? I think that um, she just knew. As soon as I walked into the room, she knew... She was like, I'm you. And I remember just walking into the room and I literally, she was like, so what, what's wrong? And I literally just started crying. And I, I said, I think I've got herpes. And she said, right, before we even look at it, I'm just going to sit down, we're just going to breathe, and then we're going to go and have a look at it. So straight off the bat, she was just, this is, we're doing this in as much time as we need. There's no rushing you. I'm not going to just check, be like, yeah, that's it, off you go. She was very much, we're taking the time, and when I calmed down a bit, she did the checks and everything. And she said, I know this is going to break your heart. It is herpes. And she's like, now, 
do not freak out. We will talk about this in a minute and we will talk it all through. And I sat with her for half an hour. I was crying. She was talking me through everything. And I was saying to her, oh, what now? What about the future? What about finding someone? And she said to me, she just said, you now have an inbuilt bullshit repellent because anybody who cares about this is not worth your time. And I've literally kept that in my mind throughout this process because it's so true. I like that uh, the nurse called yeah. it a bullshit repellent because that's yeah. what it is. Many yeah. people express that it does the same thing for them. It frustrates me to see people misuse it. I see people post that some guy won't leave them alone. So yeah. they try and just tell them, well, I have herpes. And then the guy still won't leave them alone. And they're like, yeah. look at this. He won't go away, even though I told him I have herpes. And there's some psychological stuff about that that we've discussed on a prior episode. But very pro Yes, this is a bullshit detector because it really mm-hmm. is. I mean, if someone's intention with you is to have sex right away and just have mm-hmm. sex and maybe never talk to you again, then mm-hmm. you have this as a focal point of discussion. So now you've got yeah. to talk about the fact that this is something permanent. It puts mm-hmm. you in a state of vulnerability to receiving it as well so that yeah. now you have to have these discussions. So if you're someone who's uncomfortable talking about your sexual health mm-hmm. and if you're someone who isn't looking to have any sort of a long-term commitment with a person, then this is something that you're likely going to you know, just not want to be a part of mm-hmm. and you're not going to be able to be consistent with whatever game you've been running on somebody yeah. you know if you're telling them yeah i want to be with you i'm serious come on let's have sex and then you say yeah. you have herpes you make the kind of person who is not actually serious about that just yeah. disappear and has that been your experience i mean it's only been six months yeah uh, to be honest i've had um quite good experiences in telling people hmm only one person I've told has been, I don't even want to say standoffish, because I don't even think they have been. And they just didn't, they just didn't want to risk it. And everyone can have their own opinion on that. I'm never going to be forcing somebody into something they don't feel comfortable with. But in the majority, like, I found a lot of people are a lot more understanding than I'd ever usually give them credit for. And it's actually been me, rather than the other person who's decided I don't feel ready and when I first got diagnosed it wasn't something I thought would be the case I thought it would be me begging someone to be with me and them saying oh no like stay away and it's literally been them being like this is fine and I'm like actually I don't think I want to put you at that risk yet I'm not in that place you mentioned having friends who are Mm -hmm. also positive how did you find out that they were positive so one of my bestest closest friend since I was literally about three she actually got diagnosed when we were 19 and she's always been very open with me about that from the start she's not that open with a lot of people but she I've always known and so I was always made aware of that um she was the only person I knew of at the time so she was my go-to for everything and then when I finally opened up to my friends about two days later quite a few of them were like me too I'm also in the same position. I just didn't know how to approach the subject and I felt embarrassed. And I still have a friend who can't even say herpes. She's had it longer than me, but she still can't physically say it. And that's really sad to me because it's nothing to do with anything. It's not a big deal. Like She's not having outbreaks all the time, but it's the stigma 
that is just destroying her and it's, it's horrible to watch which is half the reason I started doing my Instagram because not just for me but my friends as well how much this stigma can just destroy somebody mm-hmm. and while we're on the subject I was gonna wait until it, later when it came up but yeah your Instagram page is uh, you me and HSV yeah is this situation something that inspired you to uh, create the page yeah I don't know why but Maybe it was timing, maybe it was just when it happened, but I managed to be okay with my diagnosis pretty quickly. Like, there's still days where I'm a bit up and down, but on the whole, I came to terms with it pretty pretty quickly, and I think because I had a friend who'd been through it and had come to terms with it before, that made it that much easier. And watching YouTube and looking through Instagram and seeing that really helped me. And then to see my friend in a place I was right at the start still not be able to move on from that made me think how many other people are suffering and maybe there's something I can give back to the community that they gave to me right at the start and provide a little bit of hope Mm. in what can be quite dark times for a lot of people. When you began to look at YouTube channels, social media pages, what were some of the first resources that you found? first video I watched, I don't know if you've heard of her, do you know Shailene, Shailene Dickey? No? She's, um, she's, she's not, she doesn't do a lot of um, herpes activism or anything. She's, um, she's on Instagram, but she did a, a YouTube video that just said, I have herpes. And um, where it was actually in the time when I was still in denial about whether to go and get checked or not, which was unusual for me because I'm a very constantly getting checked kind of person. <laughs> But yes, I watched her thing and then I watched her go through all the emotions of of that and then watched her video six months later where she's like, actually, it wasn't really that big of a deal. Like, it was, but it's not. So that was really helpful. And then I watched a lot of Ella Dawson's stuff. She was she was a big, a big saviour in all of that. And um, then when I started going into the Instagram positive results you said um, positive results us yeah okay and the sli project as well was one of the first i'd seen and that was what really got me comfortable in talking about it online <laughs> between finding all of these resources you mentioned mm-hmm. and telling your friends what do you think helped you become more relaxed about it and be more open about your own status with peers and then creating the page so that you can get the information out there what between the two what was more helpful or powerful to you getting the initial information and seeing people live through it and survive and thrive at the same time that was what really just made me feel safe if i hadn't been able to find those resources i probably wouldn't be in the same position I am in right now because you look it up on Google and the comments, they're not nice. (laughs) So it was finding that safe space online where people are actually talking about it in reality rather than the, oh, well, you can't sit on that store. She's got burst boils everywhere, which is what comments I would read to begin with. And all the comments where people are like, well, I'd never date anybody with that. Like, that's disgusting. You wouldn't oh, know you were dating anybody like that if they don't tell <laughs> you. I know. So it was like finding 
that online sort of source was just amazing. And also, at, right at the start, my biggest fear was relationships, so finding finding people like Positive Results US and the FCI Project who are in very happy, loving relationships. Right at the start for me, it was actually something that was a lot more calming. Now I don't find it really an issue at all, whereas at the start that was all I could think about. So I think those online resources really, <laughs> really saved me there. Have you been to any of the Positive Results support meetings? haven't actually oh you should check them out so ray hosts them and i believe they're weekly but yeah i'm sure you follow her on instagram already but yeah i've known some people who've gone to the meetings and they feel like they've gotten a lot out of them and so um, i'm a huge supporter of ray support meetings as well so yeah these are super duper helpful yeah different people find their progress their healing process in different Mm -hmm. ways and for you having the information and then being able to see the truth and your biggest concern was, Mm -hmm. am I going to be able to be in a healthy relationship with someone? The people you found were examples of that for you. So it sort of answered that question with honesty and the experiences of other people that no one's going to want me or no one's going to want to be in a relationship with me. And you were able to challenge that with the truth and looking for answers and you got them. Yeah very healing. <laughs> and was that your main concern? You weren't concerned really with the physical symptoms or having to tell anyone? It was just, am I going to be able to have the healthy relationships that I desire? Yeah, I mean, the symptoms aren't, aren't the most fun thing in the world, but that never was something that really was concerning me. I felt like I could deal with it as just something that happens. I'm somebody who um who gets really bad allergies, so I always break out in hives. So for me it didn't really feel that dissimilar to that, just in a different place. Not as painful the hives, but it just felt the same. Like I get that, that comes and goes. That to me was just sort of the same thing. It was the the fear of not being able to find love <laughs> and have kids that freaked me out. That was the hard part for me rather than anything else. The people knowing doesn't really bother me. I'm quite open, (laughs) maybe too open for my friends say, but (laughs) that's just how it is. Um, I wouldn't want to be any other way. You being young, I brought this up on a recent episode as well. I noticed that there's a complete difference between younger generations and older generations dealing with a positive herpes diagnosis. Mm. The younger crowd is more likely to open up and seek support immediately and then also likely to get involved in some sort of way so for you it's creating the instagram page you me and hsv Mm -hmm. sharing information factual information honest consistent information about hsv and then you know being willing to come on these podcasts i have a significant number of younger people who are willing to interview like when i reach out to older people there's oftentimes a disconnect um, at some point or maybe there's a hesitance or there's some excitement but it dies down but Mm -hmm. there just seems to be this consistent drive passion for the younger guests who are on here and maybe it's because like i don't know are you in school 
I'm not. I graduated last year. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, to me, it seems like there's just this pattern of passion and action. Mm-hmm. Let's say that. There's a passion yeah. and an action from the younger crowd. A passion and action. Mm-hmm. A passion for action. One of these is <laughs> going to be the episode title. <laughs> but there is definitely active passion that I get from you. And maybe that's just... You know, a difference between generations. The older generation's more like, okay, well, let me look at this. All right, here's how it affects me. Time to go on about my business. Um, And me being 31 uh, years old at this point, my drive, my incentive really was, it shouldn't take anybody five years to find community, to find support. And so that's where this came about for me. And then for you, your motivation was... My motivation was my friends. <laughs> my friends who still cannot deal with the fact they are HSC positive. That breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah. That's a really genuine thing. You just want to create something for your friends so that they can be able to even just say the letters. These are letters at this point. Letters. You can't say these letters. These letters have such a hold over you that you yeah. can't even say them consecutively. You know, like you can say a word that starts with H, you can say a word that starts with S, and then a word that starts with B. Or you could say herpes in a sentence, simplex in a sentence, virus in a sentence, but you can't say HSV or... That's challenging. So for your friends, do they have trouble around dating and disclosing? My friend who is the one who's still not able to talk about it has actually been in a long-term relationship her whole life. So she's been with one person and got it from a cold sore. So her situation's a bit different in that she doesn't have the fear of disclosure necessarily because she is very settled with her partner and was before this happened. But I mean, there's always the possibility, so you never know. Um, so for her right now, that's not her issue. Her issue is more the internal, how she views herself. And then my other friend who's been HSC positive for many years now, she doesn't struggle necessarily with disclosure. I think it's more with her partners. She's okay with that. She struggles more with letting people around her know. So that even her, her mum still doesn't know. Uh, most of her friends don't know. She's very private on that front. Um, and I think for her, that is the fear of judgment from them. Whereas when she's disclosing to potential partners, she doesn't have the same fear. So I think that's that's just stigma in itself, but it's hard. Earlier you mentioned that you were in an abusive relationship on your partner's end. Does that mean you were abusing them or? Oh, no. All right. I hadn't heard it that way before, so I wanted to make sure to clarify. No, I I was, um, no, so the, just to clarify that situation, I just kind of out of a relationship that wasn't at all abusive. It was a very loving relationship. But unfortunately, he had to move back to the other side of the world. So that's always a little bit of a difficult one. And then I started dating a man. It was only ever meant to be casual. He's the one that I'm pretty sure I contracted HSV from, timing-wise. But you can never, you never really know. I was very scared and very vulnerable. And he very much capitalised on that situation. I stayed with him out of fear of... Like I said, never finding anybody, never having anybody accept me. And then he started getting very intense very quickly. There was a lot of love bombing and 
sort of like you are like the most amazing human but and then he would undercut it with but you're disgusting stuff like that so it was very like that and then got to the point where I was like no I can't I'm better than this so I took myself out of the situation I ended it he got very very angry he was punching walls telling me nobody would ever love me because I was so disgusting and because I had herpes and I was just a disgusting slut all the lovely things you can say to somebody and I thought that would be the end of it but then came three four months of him messaging me even when blocked he'd get new numbers he'd message my friends he'd tell people my personal details he'd tell people my personal health information he even sent a memory stick to my house with just a picture of his face on it when the memory stick was in yeah he was very manipulative using threats of suicide if I didn't come back so it was a very hard sort of five months which has been the majority of my herpes experience not I wasn't with him for those five months there was three four months where he has been just doing that and um, it took me threatening the police multiple times for him to finally back off and so far I haven't had anything for the last month so <laughs> mm. this is where we get into the bs detector here so mm-hmm. excuse me if you said this already were you two together prior to your diagnosis or was this someone you disclosed to oh no this was somebody that I was with before, only a couple of weeks, about a week and a half before my diagnosis, so I slept with him mm-hmm. after a first date. Three days later, I started displaying symptoms. I'm pretty sure it's where I got it from, but, you, you know, it's one right. of those tricky things. So this is a way that he used it to capitalize, so to speak, on yeah. you. He just would, when he called you disgusting or when he called you a slut, he was referring to... Because you have herpes. Jade is a slut and disgusting because she has herpes. So he's sort of using this as a way to show you no one's going to love you but me. So you better cherish me and you'd better never leave me. Right? But then when you had the confidence to be like, no, this isn't how this relationship's going to go. He revealed himself. He revealed who he really was. He revealed it very, very hard. (laughs) And I feel very lucky that I got out when I did. If I'd been there longer, I don't know how bad it would have gotten. And if it would have turned into physical abuse because he had started showing signs that that was his way of dealing with things. People can only hide their shadows for so long around people who show their light. If this makes sense, bear with me as I try and paint this illustration, but you just being as honest as you are, you know your status, you know your worth, and you're not going to be someone you're not, which is the kind of person who would just accept being controlled, taken advantage of, manipulated, abused. And so you owning up to the thing that makes you vulnerable and being true to yourself was a shining light to him. And so... His false identification of being this person who had control and power over you by using your diagnosis as a 
control tool. That'd be like the little cord that he plucked uh, and played with when he realized that cord wasn't attached to anything because you're not affected by that. It was like he had to try harder. He had to, oh no, this, this method didn't work. So now I'm going to show you the kind of person I really am. And just being abusive and showing that he was naturally a violent person, showing that he was a stalker. Essentially, this is stalker behavior, abusive stalker behavior. So it was covered up with this sort of uh, fake niceness in a way. Oh, but I love you. I love you. But you're gross. Like, let me remind you. Yeah, yeah, I love you. Despite you being gross. Like, that's not love. That's not genuine. That's not what good people, kind people do. Not a good behavior for anyone. (laughs) That's great on your part for recognizing this. So early, you were 22, 21 maybe at the time, 21, 22 years I, old. I just turned 22. Yeah, so you dealing with that at such a young age and being strong enough to walk away really speaks highly of your self-value, your self-worth yeah. uh, as a human. Yeah. I don't know that many people, especially your age, would be strong enough, empowered enough to do that. Where'd you get that from? Where'd this resilience, this strong sense of self-worth come from to be able to walk away? I think it comes from my teenage years, really. I had really bad mental health issues, still do, but then managed now. Um, had really bad anxiety and depression. I missed out months of my school. I saw myself get to some real low points. And I think within that time, there was people who came in and out of my life that, again, sort of saw the vulnerable and tried to twist it to their narrative and try and take advantage of you in a time when you need them to love you and cherish you and think about how you're feeling. I learned at quite a young age that there are people out there who will see the weak and and want to use that to control you. And I made a promise to myself when I was 17 that I was never going to let anybody control me and I was never going to let anybody tell me what I should and shouldn't do. And I knew from how dark times with my mental health got that the only person in control of me is me and nobody else gets a say. And that is where my resilience comes from and my self-worth is knowing how far I've come from all that stuff and all the mental health stuff I've dealt with, but also knowing that I made that promise to myself when I was quite young that nobody was going to be messing messing with me. I wasn't, I wasn't about that. <laughs> yeah. And so you had all of this before your herpes diagnosis and yeah. your herpes diagnosis didn't change who you were. Didn't change me a bit. We're going to leave it there unless you got more <laughs> that you want to say, no. but that's a hell of a way to close it out because um, we do allow for a herpes diagnosis for any challenge, like your mental wellness concerns didn't change who you were. They may have impacted you. They may have directed how you uh, viewed yourself, how you responded to the external world, but yeah. that's not who you are. It's a part of you, right? You being able to just make it to the time of your diagnosis and still see yourself for who you were through it really speaks to where we're headed with people who are receiving a diagnosis. We're getting our identities 
and separating it from the diagnosis being the overarching thing there. So it's not like I'm herpes and I have a personality. It's <laughs> this is my personality and I have herpes. So this is just gonna, this is what it is. So you, me, and HSV is the Instagram handle if people want to get in contact with you. Do you have anything else that you want to leave us with? Thank you for having me on. <laughs> uh, thank and you. Give me the space to talk about my story as well. Oh, I really appreciate that. I really meant to mention, so you can do this here. What can people expect when they go to you, me, and HSD, <laughs> the Instagram um, page? I'm hoping to be sharing facts about HSD, the vulnerabilities that come with being diagnosed with HSD, the disclosure, not just to partners, but to family and friends the changes you can see in your life for the positive with HSV and how that personally changed me to become a better person. That sort of stuff is what I'm aiming for at the minute. It might change, but that's the general content at the minute. Well, thank you so much, Jay, for taking the time to talk with me and share your experience. Uh, this was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> that concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. I can be found on social media at h on my chest if you like this podcast episode please like rate review share subscribe to this podcast on whatever listening platform you subscribe to if you would like to support something positive for positive people you can visit the homepage of spfpp.org and make a monetary donation you can become a patreon subscriber you can uh, reach out about being a guest on the podcast. You can also uh, present media opportunities or anything that will really help us with getting these resources out to the public so that people are able to find them sooner. My goal here is not to be the biggest herpes stigma fighting platform at all. I just have the intention of supporting people in their healing process. I want to be able to show people that you have options, not the option, but you can select and see what works for you. And if something doesn't work at one point in time, you're more than welcome to explore something else. And that's what these stories are for. So thank you to all the guests that we've had on and thank you to everyone and their ongoing support. Till next time, stay sex positive.